Um, so we're going to pick up on the third step of appropriating your healing tonight. Um, for everybody in here, and, and you know, I say things a lot of times because we need to hear it more than once. Um, the more you hear something, the more it sticks with you. My pastor years ago used to tell me this all the time. Uh, when I first started going to healing schools, uh, I still today I watch healing schools uh, all the time. Somebody told me they said you got to come up with a better name that's that's more attractive than just healing school. I'm not a flashy name person, but I know that you need to learn about healing. And the time to learn about healing is when you're well, because when you're sick and when you're struggling and when you're hurting. It's hard to learn. It's hard to retain. So it's, it's in these times right here when we're feeling good, when our minds are sharp, that we can get this stuff in uh, so that, so that we're, we, we can build up our armor. We can put on our armor of God. And so, uh, so I, I truly believe in, in teaching on healing. I truly believe that, that anything that we're going to learn in the Word of God, we need to get it into our, our, our spirit, man. So, again, we've been talking about appropriating your healing. The word appropriate means to take something for one's own use. The word appropriate means to take something for one's own use. Now on Wednesday nights, when I'm normally teaching, especially on Psalms and stuff, I give you guys worksheets and some people, somebody said, well, why don't you do worksheets for healing school? You know, what happens a lot of times with those worksheets is you probably can't find them in a couple days. They end up someplace, maybe in the trash, maybe you can, maybe you can't. Some people are good about them, some are not. But when you got to write it down, all right, you're listening to me say it, and then you're writing it down, and then you've got that book. You're going to probably hold on to that book a little bit more. You're probably going to retain a little bit more. So that's why we do these, these books for you to take notes. But the word appropriate means to take something for one's own use. We want to give you healing scriptures. We want to give you uh, these verses. We want to give you these principles. We want to give you these precepts for your own use. That's what, that's what you're appropriating. God wants us to be in health. Th think about this. Think about, and you can apply this to any area of your Christian walk, but let's, for the sake of healing school, let's just talk about sickness. If you're sick, you know, Julie talking about, you know, whether it's COVID, whether it's the flu, whether it's some kind of sinus thing. I mean, you, you walk into to the Walmart pharmacy and you're blowing your nose and, and you're all, you know, shaking and you're, you're sick. And you walk up to the counter and, and you're trying to get some medicine and you're trying to witness to somebody about Jesus. You think that person's going to pay a whole lot of attention to you? That's one of them crazy Christians walking around sick. But... When you're walking into the Walmart and everybody else around you is sick and they're like, how is it that you didn't get any of this when everybody else has it? Well, let me just tell you about my God. Do you think people are going to pay more attention to you? I believe that's why God wants us to walk in divine health and that's why God wants us to appropriate our healing. Just like everything else in the Word of God, when we understand the Word, when we can walk with joy, when everybody else is miserable, when we can have peace, when the world is in turmoil, when we can be in health, when everybody else is sick, people will look at us and they're going to pay attention. I've said this so many times over my 22 years of preaching the gospel. I said, you know, it's one thing when, when, when Brother Eric, strong in body, walks out of here. You know, people look at him and say, well, that's great. He went to a church meeting. But when somebody sees somebody walk into a church service on crutches or in a wheelchair, and then they see that person walk out of here healthy, people are going to say, I want to go where you just went. All right? 
and, and so that's why we want to, to learn these things so we can appropriate our healing. Uh, as I've said many times, uh, we need to learn about these things while we're well, not when we're already sick. So we've looked at two steps so far for appropriating and securing our healing. The first step, the first step toward being healed is the same as the first step to salvation or any other blessing or promise, okay? So the first step to healing is the same as the first step to salvation or any other thing, is you need to understand that it's God's will. It's God's will. It's God's will to save. It's God's will to heal. It's God's will to bless. It's God's will to prosper. So you need to understand, to appropriate your healing, you need to understand the Bible clearly teaches it's God's will to heal. And if you don't believe that, we, 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 we've got a long ways to go, and that's why we're going to keep on teaching. It's God's will to heal. As a believer, we must be thoroughly convinced by the Word of God that our healing is the will of God. It is impossible to have true faith for healing as long as there is the slightest doubt to be in the will of God. If we doubt that it's God's will, then the chances of us walking in healing, walking in health, it's going to be difficult. Again, we can apply it to any principle. If, if you're struggling financially and, and you make statements like, well, you know, it must just be God showing me something in this, that's not God's will. He came that you'd have life and have it more abundantly. So that means that God wants to bless us in health and finances. The power of God can be claimed only, hear me now, the power of God can be claimed only where the will of God is known. The power of God can be claimed only where the will of God is known. Until a person knows the will of God, they have no basis for faith because faith is expecting God to do what we know it is His will to do. That's what faith is. Faith, faith, faith is, is saying, I know that I'm healed because the Word says I'm healed. I know that I'm blessed because the Word says that I'm blessed. I know that I have joy because the Word says that He came to give me joy. I, I, was, I was sitting here, uh, one, of my, one of my other favorite scriptures, that well, they're all my favorites, but Zechariah 4, 6. Not by strength, not by might, but by His Spirit, says the Lord of hosts. He's given us His Holy Spirit. He's put His Spirit inside of us. We are the temple of the Most High. He does not want to walk around in a broken temple. He wants us to be in health. We have to have faith, believe in that. So the first step is we have to know that it's His will. The second step to appropriating our healing is we need to be sure that we're right with God. We need to be sure that we're right with God. If, if, if you have doubt in your mind, listen, I, I, and I say this with all due respect, I know, you know we, we video these things and we record these and we put them out there and I talk to a lot of different ministers and I think a lot of times, I know it, I don't think, I know, we, we live in a society now, uh, uh, seeker-friendly churches, we live in a society now where pa pastors don't want to give altar calls, we live in a society right now where we just, you know, I, I think there's something important about giving an altar call and allowing people to respond to faith for salvation. Because, because if, if we don't do those things, if we don't know for a fact that we're right with God, and if people, and I, and I know it happens every Sunday, 
in this church and in other churches where, where I, you know, I'll, I'll say, and I, I don't do this a lot. I don't like doing every head bowed and every eye closed. But sometimes I'll just get in my spirit where I'm like, well, they're not going to respond unless. And, 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 and just about every Sunday, I'll say, you know, I'll say every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. If you're not right with God and you want to raise your hand, I'll see somebody and they'll kind of do one of these. And they'll be like, and they'll, they'll look right at me. And I'll, I'll ask two or three times, come forward, come forward. And occasionally they do, but sometimes they'll just look at me like, and, and what they're saying without saying it is, I'm not ready to give up my lifestyle yet. And what will happen is they'll get to this place where they're broke, they're sick, they're, they're hurting, they're struggling, they're just, and then they'll come. And sometimes, you know, I've heard people say this, you got to wait for people to get rock bottom. Sometimes rock bottom is six foot down, and we just don't want to wait that long. We need to keep, keep giving people opportunities. So you need to understand when it comes to appropriating your healing, you need to make sure that you're right with God. Because if you're walking in sin, if you're living in sin, that can a lot of times cause sickness in your body. Just as much as being saved from hell and just as much as being born again, healing is part of the redemptive process. Healing belongs to us just as equally as forgiveness of sins. Redemption, when we talk about the redemptive process, redemption is the act of regaining or gaining possession of something in exchange for payment or clearing a debt. Jesus cleared our sin debt when he died on the cross. Jesus dealed, uh, cleared our, our uh, sick debt when he died on the cross. Jesus cleared our, our poverty when he died on the cross. He made everything possible for us. I like what F.F. F. Bosworth says. F.F. Bosworth says our redemptive blessings are conditional. Well, what's the condition? It's not what we do. The condition is do we believe what he did? That's the condition. Are we walking it out? It's not faith by works. We don't get saved by our works, but faith without works. So how does that operate? We have to believe. We have to confess with our mouth that he's the healer, that he's our savior that he's our provider, that he's our redeemer. We have to believe. 2 Corinthians 1.20. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, For all the promises of God in him are yes and amen to the glory of God through us. I love this scripture right here. For all the promises, every promise in the word, this, this, this book is filled with promises. And every one of those promises that, that, that word amen means so be it. Every one of those promises are so be it. Why? For the glory of God. When you say, I'm healed, in Jesus' name, he gets the glory. When, 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 you, when you declare, I've got the victory in Jesus' name, he gets the glory. When we understand what his promises are, and we declare those promises and we walk in those promises, again, because people are looking at us. People are looking at us. They, they, we have rough times. We have hard times. We, we go through struggles. We go through trials just like anybody else. But they're going to look at us and they're going to see, is she walking it out? What is she declaring? Is she going to gossip? Is she going to you know, say a bunch of bad stuff just like everybody else? Because if so, what makes her different than, than me? You know, you think about Paul. Paul talked about all these things that he went through, all the shipwrecks, all the starvations, all the things that he went through. But Paul did all things. He said, but God was with me. The Lord said, my, my grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient. 
When seeking healing, there could be no compromise with the adversary of our souls because he is the author of sickness and disease. The adversary, the devil, Satan, is, is the, he is the one that is, is responsible for sickness and disease. That's not God's will. God didn't create mankind to be sick. It's, it's the enemy. That's why Peter says in 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. That word, that, that, that phrase, be sober, is not necessarily talking about drugs or alcohol. What he's talking about is having the right mind. you got to have a right mindset. you got to know the schemes. I spent several uh, weeks here a while back teaching on not giving the devil the satisfaction and and one of the ways that we do that is when we don't understand who our enemy is when you don't understand the schemes of the enemy you will fall prey to them look what happened to eve eve fell prey to the enemy because she didn't know his schemes but when you know his schemes and you know that sickness is one of his schemes then we we can be alert we can be sober we can be vigilant because just like julie said healing school works My pastor said it, I say it, I'll continue to say it, I teach it to other people to say it. The Word works, but you got to work the Word. The Word works, but you got to work the Word. What's that mean? You've got to know what the Word says, and you got to stand on that Word, and you got to continue to speak that Word. It's hard to believe in faith for removal of sin or sickness in an area of your life and allowing a worse part to remain. If you continue to walk in sin... It's hard to believe God for the healing. Psalm 66, 18 says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. If I I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. It's hard and possibly impossible to receive healing for your body and your soul if you're still allowing these areas to rule your life. All right? Number three. Boy, that was just the introduction. That took a while. The third step. That's where we're at tonight. The third step to appropriating our healing is to expect what God promises when you pray. Expect what God promises when you pray. Expect it. You know, I've used this example a lot because how how many of you in here have children? All right. Just about everybody's got children. You know, when when those kids are small, you know, I, I, I don't know if they still do them now, but I remember the days of the ice cream man. You know, ding, 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 ding. They'd hear that bell going two blocks away and when my little baby girl come up to me she start tugging on my pocket and I'd look down at her and I didn't even have to ask what she wanted because I hear the bell just like she hears the bell and she comes up she tugs on my and she said dad dad I'm like yeah I mean she she wasn't doubting there was no doubt in her I I wonder if dad's gonna give me some money I mean she came up her eyes were just break open the pocketbook pops you know I mean she just knew do we do we approach God the same way Lord your word says I was uh, uh, meeting with a pastor yesterday morning, having coffee with him, and he was talking about some things that's going on in his life and, and uh, believing for healing. He said, man, he said, I keep listening to you, and, and every time we talk, he said, you're just, man, he said, you get me fired up. And uh, we started talking about some things, and I started showing him my phone, because in my phone, uh, that's where I keep most of my notes at, is in my phone. And I've got a whole, I think I've shared them with a couple of you, I've got a whole, like, notes, I mean, just pages and pages. And I'll take scriptures. And I make them personal. You know, I, uh, Job 33, 25 and 26. He says, he says, his flesh shall be young like a child. He shall, he shall return to the days of his youth. I've turned around and I made that personal. 
my flesh shall be like a child. I will return to the days of my youth. I, I do that all the way through. By his stripes, I am healed. Go through and make the, the word personal for yourself. And so when you pray and you declare it, you will expect the promises of God. Once again, F.F. Bosworth, I love reading F.F. Bosworth, says he, he describes uh, taking hold of your healing like a game of checkers. Okay? Appropriating your healing, according to F.F. Bosworth, is like a game of checkers. Anybody in here not played checker before? Okay, so everybody, we're on the same page, all right? You've never played checkers before? Yeah, praise God. All right, I was going to go get the board. All right, here we go. So everybody's played checkers. So, so this is how checkers works, or you could have said chess, either way. But with checkers, you can't move until the other person moves. That's how the game's done, okay? You, you move, and then you wait. And that person will study the board, and they're going to look. But you can't move till the other person moves. Once, once you move, you must wait till the other person moves, regardless of how long it takes. So when God provided healing for us, he sent his word, all right? Psalm 107.20, he sent his word to heal. God moved first. Now he's waiting on you to move. God moved first. He's waiting on you to move. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from all their destructions. What are you going to do with it? It's your move. Because God's not going to move again. You know, th this is the reality. He's not going to go to the whipping post again. He's not going to go to the cross again. He's not going to go to the tomb again. He made his move. What are you going to do now? It's our move. We need to expect what he promised to come to pass when we pray. To expect what he promised to come to pass is to act in faith. God sent his word to heal. We ask in faith, believing to receive what he promised. Then it's his move. Once we, so get this now, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to paint this picture because this is how, when I was reading these things, so God, God sent his word. In the beginning, he already had a plan. Jesus came, he fulfilled God's plan. He made the first move. Now it's our move. Our move is to go into our prayer closet. Our move is to go to God. And our word is to say, God, you said, and declare it. Not, God, now you, you, you said, I mean, are you going to do it? No, no, no. No, you go and you say, God, you said it. All the promises of God are yes and amen. You said it. I believe it. Now it's God's move. I, 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 for, for, for those that have been here for the last couple of years that I've been here, you've heard me say this many times. I, I, I always love the, the example of Hezekiah. Because Hezekiah, when Isaiah told him, get your affairs in order because you're going to die, Hezekiah didn't cry. He didn't whine. He didn't say, start pleading with I He turned his head to the wall and he said, Lord, didn't I do what you told me to do? I, I always think about, and as soon as I said it, it just escaped my mind. Um, I knew it was going to happen. If you know his name, spit it out because it just left me. But, but he comes to the prophet Elisha, and he says, I've got leprosy. I heard you can heal me. And the, Naaman. 
Naaman comes, and, and because Elisha doesn't even get up and go out there, he just says, I'll just tell him to go dip in the Jordan. So a servant goes and says, he said, go dip in the Jordan. Naaman gets upset. There's cleaner rivers where I'm from, and, and why would he tell, why couldn't, couldn't he just wave his hand? You know, the prophet said, go dip. His servant looks at me and says, you know, if he'd have told you to do something really difficult, you'd have done it. He said, just go dip seven times. What do you got to lose? It's your move. Naaman could have rode the other way and got upset and, and died of leprosy. But Naaman turned his horse around and he said, my move. And he went and dipped seven times in the Jordan. It's your move. God's moved. It's your move. And then once, once Naaman went into the river, six, as soon as he started going down, God said, now it's my move. And as soon as he went down, God moved and he came up and he was healed. God's waiting on us to make the move so that he can make his next move. So let's look at some examples of what I'm talking about to, to make it plain for you, okay? First one, let's go to Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6, beginning in verse 13. I'll give you a minute to get to your Bibles if you want to. Because I've been just quoting stuff and you haven't gotten in your word and that's not going to help you. So I know it's up on the screen. But you can't take the screen with you, so you need to know where it's at in your Bible. That's why you're flipping I'm drinking. All right. All right, Genesis chapter 6, beginning in verse number 13. This is the story of Noah. God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and outside with pitch. And this is how you shall make it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, its width shall be 50 cubits, its height 30 cubits. Now, you got to get a hold of this, because I think sometimes we just read this, and we don't grasp the, the full context of it. First, the first thing you need to see is this. If you back up to Genesis, while you're there in Genesis, if you back up to Genesis chapter 2, verses 5 and 6, it says, before any plant of the field was on the earth, an herb in the field had grown. The Lord had not caused it to rain on the earth, and there was no man to, to till the ground. The mist came up. So understand this. During Noah's day, it had never rained before. The water came up from the ground. God comes to Noah, and he says, I want you to build an ark for the rain. What's rain? Second thing is he gives him all these dimensions on how to build this. It's not like the brother broke out and went down to Lowe's and got him a Stanley tape measure and a power saw. I mean, these, the, he's sitting there trying to figure out, how big? You know how many trees me and my boys are going to have to cut? No wonder Noah lived 900 years. And that brother was stout because they had to cut down all those trees and they had to turn those trees and then they had to tar and they had to pitch. So think about this. God comes to Noah. Can you back up to the last one? Genesis 6, God comes to him and he says, he says I'm going to destroy the flesh. You're going to build a boat. Get ready for the rain. This is how big the boat needs to be. Noah's sitting there going, don't have a clue what rain's talking about. Don't know where we're going to get all this wood from. How in the world am I going to stack those things that tall? People are going to think I'm nuts. 
Noah, God moved. God said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to destroy the earth, but I'm going to save you and your family. Noah had to make a decision. Move or don't move. Don't know what rain is. Don't know how I'm going to do it. Do I follow God and believe what he said or not? Look at what the Bible says, Hebrews eleven seven. 7. By faith, Noah being divinely warned of things not yet seen. By faith, Noah being divinely warned by things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of the household by which he, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to the faith. By faith, Noah moved. By faith, Noah moved. Not by what he saw. How, how do you know when, you, when, when, when you're dealing with issues, when you're dealing with diagnoses, when you're dealing with sicknesses, when you're dealing with pain, it's not when you see healing that you believe. It's when you don't see and you don't feel that you got to, by faith, move. That's when you need to move. Is, is when... Lord, it hurts. God, it doesn't sound well. God, that diagnosis. Lord, that x-ray. That MRI. We can, we can look at all those things, or we can say, but God. But God said, and then make our move. All right? Noah moved by faith. Because of, of, of not of what he's seen, but because of what God said. Let's look at another one. All right, everybody good? Joshua chapter 6. Joshua. Joshua chapter 6. <clears throat> Verse 1. It says, Now Jericho was securely, securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand. It's king and the mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all the men of war. You shall go around the city once. Then you shall do six days. And on the seventh, the priests shall bear the trumpets, the ram's horns before the ark. But on the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. And it shall come to pass when they make a long blast at the ram's horn. And, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that all the people will, shall shout with great shout. Then the wall of the city will fall down flat. Think about this. Again, I mean, I, I don't know how you all read the Bible. I am just a, I'm a, I am a visual, you know, I've, I've told many of you, I mean, it's like that viewfinder. I mean, I, I, I can, everything's a picture to me. I can imagine Joshua standing there with an army that had no weapons, coming up against this big city, the walls that are three and four stories, we, we know it had to be high because Rahab lived in the wall. I mean, this wasn't like, you know, like that wall. I mean, these were, these were big walls, you know, pro probably three and four feet wide, you know, 30, three stories, four stories tall. And Joshua's standing there with an army with no weapons, and God says, you're going to walk around it six days, once a day for six days, and on the seventh day you're going to walk around it seven times, and then the priests are going to blow a trumpet. You're going to shout, and those walls are going to fall.
We're just going to blow a horn. That's, that's all you got to do. I've made my move. Joshua, what are you going to do? By faith, Joshua had to go back to the people. And he had to tell the people what God said. God's move was to tell them how to do it. That was God's move. God's move was, this is how you're going to, six times and then seven. That was God's move, to tell them how to do it. God's move was to tell us how to do it. What, what did the disciples do? They, they saw Jesus doing all these miracles, all these things. They said, Lord, teach us to pray. He said, this is how you do it. Thy Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us not our trespasses. We forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. They saw, they saw him move. They said, Lord, teach us to move the way that you move. God came to Joshua. He said, this is how it's going to happen. Joshua had to make a decision. How is it going to happen? He had to tell the people, and the people had to act it out. They had to make their move. So how does this, how do, we, how, do we, how do I make this line up with appropriating our healing? We must believe that God, we must believe that God sent his word and moved according to the word, not according to the manifestation. Let me say that again. We must believe that God sent his word and moved according to the word, not according to the manifestation. God said it would rain. It never rained, but it did. First, you need to, let me, let me just back up and say this. Do you believe that God knows the beginning from the end? The end from the beginning? God knows. God, God knew the walls were going to fall. God knew the flood was going to come. God knew Jesus was going to. God knows. God's waiting for us. See, this is, this, is, this is the part that we struggle with. Well, if God knows, Pastor, then He knows whether I'm going to get healed or not healed. You're right. You're absolutely right. Because God knows if you're going to move or not move. He knows if you're going to expect or not expect there are people all around us that are dying sick that are struggling with their health because they haven't moved they haven't gotten into the word they haven't done what god said to do god said when they shouted the walls would fall they shouted and the walls fell look at this james chapter 5 verse 14 and 15 james chapter 5 verses 14 and 15 says, is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if any has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Look what James says. James, the brother of Jesus, who once doubted that he was the Messiah, but now knows that he was, is the Messiah, says, is any among you sick? Your move. Call for the elders of the church, and they'll anoint you with oil. I came, I, I came to this church two years ago. One of the first messages I taught, when I taught about healing, I, I used this scripture right here. 
I said, so the question is this. If anybody, if, you're, if you consider yourself spiritually mature, if you believe that you're born again, if you believe that, that the Spirit of God is in you, if the Spirit of God is in you, then you understand that the power of God is in you. So what if you're at Walmart and somebody comes up to you and says, I'm sick. Uh, 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 uh. I pull out my oil. It's my move. They moved. Now it's my move. And I anoint them with oil. Talking to a pastor the other day, he said something about, uh, we were talking about healing school. And he went over to his cabinet and he reached up. He said, well, do you have any oil? I said, brother, do I have any oil? I said, any good Pentecostal should have some in his pocket. And, and I, I remember saying that. I remember Miss Noni Sizemore brought me about 30 bottles of, of anointing. You know, I've, I've got jugs back there. And, 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 you know, this is the reality. He says, he says, any among you sick, let them call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. It's, it's our move. We've asked. God's already made a way for it. I'm not sure of the author. I'm not sure who wrote this. Usually I try to give you who the author is, but uh, I read this quote. I'm not sure who said it. So listen, he says, We hope for what may be possible, but we expect what must be possible. Yeah, I did put it up there. Good. We hope for what may be possible, but we expect what must be possible. Anybody know what hope means? earnest expectation hope is the confident expectation of what we're going to ask so we hope for what may be possible lord i hope but we expect what must be possible peter said by his stripes we were done isaiah said we are Isaiah was looking forward to the cross, and he said, we're already healed because of what he's getting ready to do. Peter's saying, we are healed because look what he already did. We expect it because we know that it's possible. Expectancy is the faith that shuts the door to doubt and fear and shows unshakable confidence in what the Lord said. Expectancy is the faith that shuts the door to doubt and fear. And shows unshakable confidence in what the Lord said. Faith never waits to see before it leaves. Believes, I'm sorry. Faith never waits to see before it believes. Let me say that again. Faith never waits to see before it believes. Faith believes before it sees. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not yet seen. So faith never waits to see before it believes. Romans 10, 17 says, So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. That's why so many times when I'm teaching things, I repeat so many things, not to bore you, not because I don't have anything else to say, because i got plenty to say, but faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing the Word of God. <clears throat> I remember one of the first times I spent 14 years in evangelist, and one of the first times I, I started going out to a church, and I remember the media person, I walked into the church, and they said, uh, hey, pastor, do you have your, uh, do you have your uh, scriptures that you're going to preach on? 
And I looked at him, I said, well, yeah, give me just a second, I'll get them. And I walked over in the corner, and I hurry up and jotted them down. And I walked over, and I handed the, the, the media guy a sheet of paper. And he looked at me and said, seriously, you're going you're gonna to use all of these? I said, brother, you don't want my opinion, it won't help you. I said, but that word right there changed your life. You know, I hear a lot of preachers preach, and, and they can tell you a lot of great stories, and they can tell you, you know, give you a lot of good opinion, but I'm going to tell you the Word of God changes your life. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. What is it we must hear to have faith? What is it we must hear to have faith? The Word of God. If we know what God said, then we can say, Lord, you said. That builds my faith. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. Amen. Amen. You getting it? All right. So all that we need to know is that God has spoken. The Word says that settles. The problem is that so many trust more in their senses than in God's Word. What are your senses? Taste, touch, smell, see, and hear. We must understand that faith is God and His Word. Faith in God is... uh, and His Word is more of a foundation than what we see and hear. Okay? Faith in God and faith in God's Word is more, for, more of a firm foundation than what we see and hear. I butchered that up three times. Let me try it one more time. Okay? Faith in God and His Word is more of a firm foundation than what we see and hear. Did I get it right that time? I think I did. All right. If we have faith in God and we have faith in God's Word, that's our foundation, not what we see in here. What's your foundation? The Word of God. I, I like this. Give you one more example. You guys got just a couple more minutes, right? You came out on Thursday night, so you're ready to learn. John chapter 11. Flip over to John chapter 11 real quick. What's in John chapter 11? Anybody know? Lazarus. Lazarus. Look at this. This is good. It says, Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. So, so if we just read that right there, we would think, well, that Martha... I mean, that's a woman of faith, right? I mean, just if you just read that, I mean, I, when I first read that, I thought, well, you know, yeah, Lord, yeah, Martha had it together. He died, but I know that whatever you ask, God's going to do. I believe that you're the Messiah. So then Martha goes on and says, in verse 39, Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha said, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> he's going to stink. Wait a minute. You said whatever I asked the Father to do, He's going to do it. Now you're worried about the smell? See, it was about her senses. It was about what she's seen. she seen. She probably was there when they wrapped Him. She was there when they placed Him in there. She looked at the calendar and saw that it had been four days. She heard all the mourners. See, our senses... She knew who Jesus was. She knew that He was the Messiah. She knew that He was God incarnate. She knew that He could speak because she had seen those things. 
But what was right in front of her was death and stench. What was going to be more powerful? What Martha believed about who he was or about what her senses were telling her? Verse 40 says, Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you that if you would just believe, you would see the glory of God? He said, Just believe. Martha, have faith. You started off with faith, but then your senses kicked in. You started off in faith, but then you got that, oh, my back. Oh, my, you know, whatever. You started off in faith, but then the doctor said, Jesus said, if you will just believe, you'll see the glory of God. Jesus was speaking to her about her faith in him more than what she could see. 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, While we do not look at things which are seen, but at things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Again, there was no flood in sight when Noah built the ark. Joshua had never seen stone walls fall before by a shout. The whole 11th chapter of Hebrews is written about what about people who believed by faith not what they saw. They acted on the spoken word and the reason they expected the thing to happen is because God said it. So how much more for us today? How much more for us today? Think about this. All of those in Hebrews 11 didn't have this and they believed. We have the manual. We have the promises in black, white, and red. How much more should we expect? Mark 16, verse 18. Mark 16, verse 18. They will take up serpents. If they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they might. They possibly could. They will. They will. Jesus, this is red letter. They'll lay hands on the sick. Listen, when I lay hands on people, I believe in Jesus' name, healing. I believe that they're healed, boom, instantly, because the Word says it. James 5 says, if you're sick, call for those in the church. We're going to lay hands and anoint you with oil. Jesus said, when I lay hands on you, you will recover. I believe it. Well, pastor, does everybody you lay hands on get healed? No. Why? Two things I know, right? Two things I know for sure. There's a God in heaven, and I'm not him but I'm going to keep doing what he tells me to do because I've seen healing. I've seen it. I've been in hospital rooms and I've seen where doctors said they're dead and I've seen them come back to life. I've seen babies that doctors said will never make it through the night. That young man is 18 years old now going to college. I've been in in churches where I've laid hands on people that were on crutches that were scheduled for surgery the next day and I felt the power of God go into them and they go back and they say, you're not cutting me, take another x-ray. And the doctor said, there's nothing wrong with you. I've seen it, folks. A couple of us were down in Mexico. I heard that woman speak when she had never spoke before. So I'm going to keep laying hands on people because I believe they will recover. Faith is being so convinced of the promises of God's Word recorded in the Bible that we're willing to act on them. Faith is being so convinced of the promises of God's Word recorded in the Bible, that we act on them. 
God made his move. Now we need to make ours. Psalms 80, Psalm 88, 86, 6 and 7. Psalm 86, 6 and 7. It says, Give ear, O Lord, to my prayer, and attend to the voice of my supplications. In the day of my trouble I will call upon you, for you will answer me. You will. I know you will. When we move in faith, He answers. His move was the promise. Our move is expecting to receive. When we go expecting, then He moves. It's done. He answers. Mark eleven twenty four says, Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask, when you pray, believe. Believe that you receive them and you will have them. Believe. Jesus tells us exactly how to appropriate any of the blessings purchased for us by his death. One, to know the, that it's his will to heal. Two, to know that we're right with him, that we're born again. And three, to receive what he has promised because of expectation. We have to expect that we're going to receive it. One last verse and we're done. Matthew chapter 8, 16, 17. It says, When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word, with the word, with the word, and he healed all who were sick, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, He himself took our infirmities and bore our sickness. He did it. He took our sickness. He bore our infirmities. How did he do it? With the word. With the word. He sent his word to heal. Amen.